welcome to Movie Butts. I'm Arnie Joan. This is Dane. Hello. This is, you know, a movie podcast where we pick a subject and then what we do is we do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of that subject. How we do the math is we get a bunch of critical aggregates and audience aggregates, the box office, the budget. You know, those things include, you know, like Metacritic, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb. Put it all in a spreadsheet, average it all out, and then bingo, bango, bongo, Bob's your uncle, and we have the best and worst. Uh, what what movies did we watch and what was our subject this week, Dane? So our subject was the directorial efforts of Ben Affleck. And we watched the best, which is Argo, and the worst, which is Live By Night. His, his last two movies that he's done. Yeah, so um, the math was uh, definitive on both. Uh, so in every category... Um, including, you know, box office and budget, uh, Argo was the best. And we're talking Rotten Tomatoes, audience critic scores, IMDb, Metacritic, all those things. It was the best. And it had the caveat of being the Academy Award winner for, I think, was it 2012? Uh, yeah, 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, saying that though, that doesn't say that his first two films, which were... Gone Baby Gone and The Town weren't also well-received. So pretty much in 2007, Affleck had a bit of a comeback as a director. And, you know, he had a fucking golden run of three films. And it ended with his most popular, which was Argo. Um, And then a couple of years later, um, his follow-up, Live By Night, was... A huge box office bomb, lower than, like, you know, a lot of the stuff calls it middle of the road reviews, but I read a whole bunch of them, and I would say it's mainly negative. Yeah, they're quite mean. They're quite mean, you know, poor (laughs) Affleck, you know, Uh, kick a guy while he's down, you know. Um, So, yeah, it was very obvious that um, Live By Night was his worst film, and personally, I would argue it certainly is his worst film. Um, yeah, before before we get into plot synopsises, I, I'd like to preface this by saying I'm a huge Ben Affleck fan. I mm. love him. He's awesome. I want. Yeah. He, I, I've never had anyone in Hollywood that I want to see win more than him. Yeah. You know, and... You know, I think he has a huge imposter syndrome problem, and I think that might be routed in his upbringing, and that might have something to do with his substance abuse issues. But at the end of the day, I think he's a very creative person, and you know where his shortcomings come from. Whatever, I, I yeah, I want I want this motherfucker to win. He's the only celebrity I like. That's crazy every, to think. Every, right? Everyone else can go fuck themselves. They're all creeps and freaks, but he, Ben Affleck—he's a real guy. He's, yeah, I like him. He's like a big teddy bear, doofus, weirdo. But he's, yeah, he's a, he's a strange character because, like, he seems like such, and like a, like a plain, boring, vanilla, nothing guy. But there's Hollywood definitely star. something going on there. But I think he's like. I think he's like actually kind of dumb, but 
is only good at one thing, and that's story structure. Like, he's good at making movies, and that seems to be the only thing he cares about as well. I think that's why I like him, because he, he, he gives a shit about movies, and I don't think he really cares for much else, but he fucking is a terrible actor. Most of the movies he's in are bad. I, I, I wouldn't say he's a terrible actor. I just think he has a very limited range. Very limited. Like, he, there are certain kind of characters he can successfully portray, but when he steps out of that... And I, and I even think, as a filmmaker, I think he has certain stories he can tell, and I think that might come back to his knowledge and his background and all these things, and we'll get into that with these two films. But I think he is limited, and when he stays within what is comfortable, I think he can. he's really good. He actually reminds me of an unpretentious Richard Kelly. And hear me out, that might sound insane. Yeah. But I think he's incredibly insecure. And I think, um, you know, I don't even know where I'm kind of going with this now. But, like, I think he has that imposter syndrome thing. I think he's this average guy and he somehow blew up as a fucking actor and somehow kept self-destructing, you mm. know? Whereas yeah, he kind of does keep self-destructing. You know, and, and it's sad, and honest to goodness, I'll do, you know, I'm, I want him to win. I'm happy he's back as fucking Batman. I hate those movies. But yeah. when I heard he's coming back, I was like, good for you, Ben. You got this, you know? But, um, That's one of the, the, the greatest losses in cinema history, is, if you ask me, is the uh, Ben Affleck starring and directing and writing in a Batman movie. Uh, I was so wanting that. And I think I, he could have done it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why it didn't happen. I mean, you can make Oh, no, guesses, he fell off the but... fucking wagon. He, I think, after Justice League, which was a resounding disaster... Yeah. Um, and I think it might have to do with Live by Night also being a fucking bomb. I think it probably also would have something to do with uh, them being like, hey, Ben, when you do the Batman movie, here's some notes, brother. And he's like, no, I, I, I just want to do... Can you just let me do my movie, please? Because all his movies are... I think he has full creative control. Well, he didn't write Argo. Another guy wrote Argo. Funnily enough, the guy that wrote fucking Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel wrote Argo. Um, So, like, I think he is a bit more flexible than you might be giving him credit. But, um, yeah, you might be right. With those sort of pictures, like, how many fucking hands do you have in the... And DC's infamous for it. Yeah. Like the way they butchered like Justice League and things. That might be changing now. From the look of the Slater movies that are coming out, they might actually be... I think they realize to be different from Marvel, they need to pull back. Like they can't try and imitate Marvel. So I think, you know, I'm not the... I like these superhero movies, but I'm not the kind of cunt that harps on about them all day. But I think mm. we might see a bit of a change in these films for the better. Yeah, um, hopefully. Uh, I mean, as... For as long as they can 
Because studio executives can't help themselves. No. They have they they just have to stick their big ugly heads in there eventually. Totally. Um, so I'm sure eventually they'll fuck it up. <laughs> oh, they'll fuck no, but the thing is as soon as something goes wrong, so hypothetically they give the they give carte blanche to someone and they go, do whatever you want and it sucks, then they always revert. That's what Hollywood always does. They they mm. they release the reins and then someone makes Heaven's Gate. The movie yeah. that's infamous for destroying New Hollywood. And then boom, <laughs> we're straight back into fucking Top yeah. Gun and shit like that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I think it was I think it's like a combination like him falling out with all that shit. Live by night, his personal project failed. And Justice League, which was his tent pole, his bread and butter film, those both bombing, like both of those being like bad it's like 2003 ben affleck all over again in 2003 that cunt could not get anything right you know and he became a laughing stock so he fell off the wagon and yeah i don't know anyway we'll get more into uh in a bit do you mind giving a plot description of these two films yeah so argo is about um it's set in 1980 and the uh, the American embassy in Iran is overrun by revolutionaries or whatever. Yep. And uh, they capture a whole bunch of the people in the embassy and take them hostage. But six of them escape and they go and they, they take shelter in the Canadian embassy. Oh, the someone's house who works for the Canadian embassy. He's the, uh, em- <clears throat> the Canadian ambassador's uh, house. Yeah. So the CAA is like, we got to get him out of there. How are we going to do it? And Ben Affleck's like, I got an idea that is so crazy. It just might work. And they, they pretend that they're making a movie and that, that, and they, they, he goes over there and, and dresses them up as the crew for this fake movie. And it's about that caper. And, um, (laughs) live by night is about a guy who was a soldier and then when he was when he was at war he was like hey this isn't good i'm going to um the the laws that are made are bullshit in fact i'm going to break the laws and be i'm going to become an outlaw i'm going to become an outlaw and then he ends up it's set during the uh prohibition era so he ends up Becoming a gangster because he is, he's in love with a woman, but she betrays him. And then he wants to get back at the guy who orchestrated the betrayal. So he gets out of prison and he becomes a gangster. And then he goes down to Colombia. And um, I think and- it's the keys, like the Florida keys sort of thing. Like it's that America but on the borderline of the South, um, like the islands and stuff around there. Yeah, and so then he then he like uh, runs uh, runs shit down there, um, getting like you know doing running the rum circuit and and he gets into a whole bunch of mischief down there. It's it's like it's kind of like a it's it's kind of like a little episodic series that takes place down there. I was thinking it reminded me of um like a like a 90s serial that it would be like 
the adventures of so-and-so, who's a guy who's down in Florida, and every week is a different adventure. You know, one week he's dealing with the the woman who's the daughter of the reverend, and then the Ku Klux Klan, and then the this and that. It, it kind of runs in, like, these mini-episodes. I don't know, whatever, but those are the movies. We're just going to talk about them. Yeah, so uh, what did you... Let's start with Argo. What did you... Have you seen Argo before, or was this the first time you watched it? No, it's the first time I'd seen it. What did you What did you think of it? Um, it's okay. I don't. I, I don't know. I can't really complain about Argo, but um, it it, it kind of bored me. So right. Um, there's 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 a part. There's like a half an hour's worth of Argo, and that's when after he it's from the very moment that Ben Affleck has the phone call with his son and he they're both watching Planet of the Apes together and that's when he has the idea for the to pretend to make a movie um from that up until he arrives in Iran fantastic Alan Arkin John Goodman when they're they're, they're getting the plan together uh, I I was really into it. Ah, go that, fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, all that shit. Ten out of ten. The half an hour beforehand, I didn't really care, and then the the rest, the second half of the film, I just I just didn't I just didn't give a shit. It's well made. It's you know pretty well acted. I just didn't give a shit. Right. Um. I I quite like I liked Argo more this time than the first time I watched it. Oh, yeah. Um. It's. I think I said this to you earlier, but I think it's worth saying on the recording as well that it's like the best kind of Oscar bait. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's well made. Um, it's telling a true story. It's not ham fist. Like there's a sequence in the film that's ham fisted and I fucking hate it. And I, I just want to chop it out of the movie. Yeah. But for the most part, it seems quite, it's just telling the, the story, you know, this yeah, it's got a, historical it's got a sense account. of humor and it has a sense of, fun and adventure to it yeah that and I tension and tension it, i honestly think it could have it would have benefited the film to have a bit more of that right but um yeah it's not it's not um sappy horse shit no it's not uh louder than bombs or what, what the fuck was that film extremely loud and incredibly close like it's not that that's bad oscar bait this is you know like i can at least buy it because it's somewhat a true story. And mm. and I think where I can give it a, a bit of credit, and I know you said you were bored with the beginning, but I think he does a well... He's very good at covering that opening sequence to make it feel quite immediate. Like, yeah. he actually builds tension quite successfully for me, and it mm -hmm. felt... Like, it felt exhilarating watching these people have to, you know, burn the documents and these people are breaking in. And, like, mm -hmm. I, I think he, he did really well with the tension to make me buy into it. And yeah. for the most part, I wasn't really questioning what's true and what's not. And because, like, for some reason it felt believable to me. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel bullshit. Um, I have the added benefit of I actually work with a, a man who escaped Iran during this time. And it, it actually quite lines up with what he's told me. So 
I have that experience. However, after watching the film, did you Google the historical accuracy of the film? Yeah. And man, it takes some fucking liberties. Yeah. To a point where it 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 is borderline American propaganda. Um C or even CIA propaganda. It's funny that um that was one thing that I was giving the movie credit as I was watching it. Uh was that Was how it um, felt real, right? Like it felt No, was that it I it didn't feel too like too, too on the nose with its American propaganda and had uh Right s- had had somewhat of a balance. Like um they don't so I mean at the beginning they established that um the Iranian people are justified in their outrage at America. Obviously they're taking it too far by taking it out on people who have nothing to do with what happened there. But it says at the beginning that it was, um, you know, Iran was doing fine. America, um, got through, uh, uh, did a coup d'etat and then put in their guy who was a tremendous asshole and westernized the country, um, for the benefit of America and then the whole thing went to shit because of that and so now the chaos in Iran is specifically because of the bullshit the American government pulled previously it doesn't cover that up it's the first thing they say in the film yeah so I was like I appreciate that you know you're just so used to American films literally rewriting history to be like uh, you know, you would expect like if this movie starred Mark Wahlberg and was directed by Michael Bay, then it would be for some reason they they started acting out because they're savages, probably. You know. Well, also the movie eventually doesn't like, and it gets to a point later in the film where the the Iranian people do almost become cartoony. You know. Oh yeah, Villains. and then and, and then anytime there's like, uh, you know, like the guy hanging from the crane, or anytime there's a uh, an Iranian bad guy around, he's super evil, and the music's like, yeah, it's like, oh no, here come the evil <laughs> Iranians. Yeah, you know, so and- it still it still has all that bullshit you expect from uh, an American war film that won an Oscar, but. The fact that they didn't completely rewrite history and America does not come off as the uh, holier-than-thou good guy, just the best dude around, I was like, eh, I, ex- you know, so I was expecting worse. What I, what I got from reading about the historical accuracies of it is the movie incredibly downplays the involvement of other countries. Yeah. So Canada, you can see in the movie we're being very helpful and um but at the end of the movie they do this really fucked up thing where they undermine that where they're like we'll give canada all the credit but it was the cia all along (laughs) and that kind of like fucked me off you know what i mean like that was a yeah they didn't need to have that like they could have they could have said you know like oh our involvement you know might never be known but we did the right thing. 
But what, yeah. when you go to the stage where you're like, well, let Canada take all the credit. Yeah. The way they phrase it makes it sound like they did nothing. Yeah. And that's really gross. And, yeah. And then you, I looked further into it and it seems the CIA actually has involvement in these films. Did you know that? So I assumed. Yeah, that. so Argo, Zero Dark Thirty, there are a couple of others where they actually come in as consultants. Yeah. And I think it's less as a consultant and more as a as like a a warden to make sure they don't yeah. defamate the country's, you know, international security. So yeah. you've got to take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, like Chopper said, don't let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. Mm-hmm. And they clearly don't. It's an interesting story and it makes for a pretty good film, in my opinion. It's unfortunate um, yeah. that whacking based on a true story in uh, on a movie makes people enjoy the movie more because they take it as the truth. Yeah. Uh, You know, so when things happen in a movie that's based on a true story, you believe everything because you're told at the start, this really happened and and, and the stakes are raised and and, and it's more exciting because you're like, whoa, oh my God. And this really happened. Well, it helps with the suspension of disbelief, you know, like you, you don't have to be like, oh, well, that never would have happened. Yeah, which um, is exactly why the Coens put that at the beginning of Fargo, and they did it as a joke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, if if a movie says based on a true story, I always the only reason that annoys me is because I have to then make a mental effort to brush that aside so I can just watch it as yeah, a film. As because a I film. don't believe for a second that <laughs> that you're not going to manipulate it in some in some way. Yeah. I, I would much rather them, you know, this is a, a, a side thing, but I would much rather them, uh, completely write, completely tell a different story based on true events. But, you know, shut the fuck up about that. I mean, Moby Dick was, you know, based somewhat on true events, but the cunt didn't put that at the beginning of the book and say, this is a true story. No. It's just, wrote a work of fiction inspired by real things. Yep. I guess when you're working with real life figures and actual events that kind of, at least in a modern context, is part of modern history, I think it's a little harder to like get away with just telling a true story without acknowledging it. I just think that's just how the world works at the moment. Without acknowledging what? That it's a true story. Oh, I think they could easily just not put based on a true story on there. But oh, it wouldn't I, it wouldn't get as much attention because they know that people believe it to be true if you put that on there, which which goes a long way to show how sinister it is that the CIA gets involved and is like, uh, why don't we uh, just uh, put make it like this and make it like this? And then Ben Affleck has to say, Hey, you know, we're making a movie. We're allowed to just make shit up for with art, artistic license. And it's like, well, which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> do people um, not believe it or they do believe it? I think it should be, say, inspired by true events, not 
based on a true story. Like, I think that's... Man, don't say anything. Yeah, no, I, I know where you're coming from, but... Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, lesser of two evils. Um, So, I'm curious as to, like, why do you think this... Have you seen all four of his movies now? Yeah. Uh, why do you think this uh, is considered mathematically the best? Uh, I mean, wh- why did this have... Does this have a better... Because I know the town... And Gone Baby Gone uh, have really positive reviews. Yep. Was, it so, the, was it the Oscar that really got this over the No, line? no, 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 no. Every single category, this was slightly better. Oh, really? Yep. So they were all three of his first films mm. were in the 90, 90s on Rotten Tomatoes mm. uh, for the critic scores. Uh, this was 98 out of 100. You know, whereas... this just, I think, I think like in terms of... Uh, marketing so you this is like um something that a lot of people can go and see yeah i always uh think of i always think of target audiences in terms of um my immediate family those those are like the they they sort of all represent the the different available demographics to me and um i know that a movie is uh has you know a broad marketability if I can see both my mum and my dad interested in seeing it, yep. my dad would be into all the, the spy shit, but my mum would see that it's like, oh, they're going over there and pretending to be making a movie and it's like a, like a fun, wacky caper. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it has, I think it has broad appeal and you, and like a unique personality. Yeah. But, like unique and different enough to not be scary. Sure. Not something gonzo and bizarre. Something yeah. familiar but but stands different. out. It stands yeah. out. It seems different but very familiar. Yeah. I think this film does have almost something for everyone. You know, it's not something like I can't, you know, th- there's a negative review for this movie that we'll read eventually, but it's hard for me to see what kind of people, unless you, I guess we're talking, if we're talking about like genre film people, like, you know, people that wear a Freddy Krueger shirt and all they watch is Evil Dead 2 on repeat, maybe yep. those people wouldn't like it. But outside of, you know, that kind of fan base, who the fuck can't sit and not at least have an okay time watching this film. Yeah, I had an I had an okay time. Yeah, you know, um, I was having a great time during the John Goodman Alan Arkin bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but the rest of it is like, it's perfectly palatable for everyone. Sure. Um, I think it's a balance of, um, it's a prestige picture. It's based on a true story. Uh. It had Clooney's involvement, so if he's producing something, it tends to have a bit of a social conscience, so I think he has a good uh, understanding of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's a prestige picture. Ben Affleck was on a hot streak. People were really excited to see what he did next after The Town and Gone Baby Gone, so I think that really helped. Um, yeah, it's an interesting story and it's well made, you know? So honestly, I think it's like the perfect storm of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, were the reason this, 
people really had no reason to not like this film. Um, I also would like to say, I think this film fits within uh, Affleck's comfort zone. So we're talking about, you know, we're talking about like he can be good when he's dealing with something familiar or within his, um, you know, world, you know? Um, Mm. Ben Affleck is one of those kind of philanthropic actors. So he cares about political issues a bit. You know what I mean? So he clearly understands this story and knows this story. Um, He would have been young in the early 80s. So he knew the era as well. Yeah. And it's a movie about, in a way, making a movie. Like it has that meta bit to it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it fits within a comfort zone for him. Yeah. So I think that's why, you know, he is able to tell this story. Whereas, you know, we'll make a bit of a transition. I want to come back and talk a bit more about Argo, but Live by Night, mm-hmm. I don't think he had any right making that film at all. I don't know what attracted him to the project. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, tell tell me in a second, but it's a novel. It's based on a novel. And if the novel is anything like the movie, it's the most incredibly cliched, boring, predictable, run-of-the-mill, bullshit period gangster film I think I could possibly have... You could have picked. You go onto any cunt's bookshelf and they bought this at an airport and they never read it and it sits there... It's one of those books. Yeah, obviously, uh, I haven't read it, but... Who has? I don't yeah, know. Is it this does the seem kind of like, book? It does seem like... So, b- books these days, there's, like, uh, two types of books that get published in, 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 in into today's day and age. Yeah. Uh, you have, like, um, you know, basically um, pornographic novels for women who are about to go and hit menopause for them to read. Yeah. Uh, and then you have books like Jack Reacher and then the other 50,000 variants of that, which are just like male fantasy hero novels. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those. Right. So again, like this film doesn't fit in his comfort zone. I don't think he understands the character. I don't think... I don't think it's... Again, I don't know how... This book could be a masterpiece for all I fucking know. But the st- did you agree, like, everything was predictable and cliche and just boring and just nothing? It's... Um, first of all, I, I need to ask you, what did you think of Live By Night? Oh, I hated it. It sucked. You hated it? It was awful. Okay. Okay. I loved it. You love to live by night? I loved it. I loved it. It's one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. Okay. okay. I had a hell of a time watching it. Um, it. It's... Who do you who do you think the target audience for this movie is? I honestly don't think he even knew. Oh, no, I can tell you who it is. It's, it's Ben Affleck. The only person who this movie was made for is Ben Affleck because it is just him living out a fantasy. 
this is a midlife crisis movie. Ben Affleck just read the book and just pictured himself as the character because, again, that's all these books are. I don't have to read it or read anything about it to know that 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 is exactly what it is. It's a it's a you know Jack Reacher novel. It's just that's that's all these things are is like male fantasy movies where you have the the macho hero is a good guy but he has an excuse to to kill the bad guys and he and he gets the girl and uh he's he's a good guy who's just forced to do bad things and you know he never falters and he's just an overall sick cunt right it's the type of movie that michael from gta 5 would love oh my god you know what you're i mean you're so right it's it and because it is such a throwback to movies of that era agreed with the, with the gangsters and the 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 uh the tommy guns the car chases the getting the girl like it's like just a like fantasy. an untouchable sort of thing yeah it's like a fantasy hero macho movie and i mean the reason i enjoyed it so much is because from the opening uh, credits where he's doing the voiceover about him being at war, it is so corny that I just rolled my eyes and yeah. I didn't stop rolling my eyes for 15 minutes until I realized, okay, this is what it's going to be the whole way through. Yeah. I just settled into it. I, <clears throat> I compared it cause I watched it with my, with my wife and um, I compared it to, um, like you're in a car, say you're a passenger in a race car, right? And then you're about to take off, the flag goes down and just as the car takes off, it tips on its side and the car is driving on its side and there's sparks flying everywhere. And your instinct is to be like, you're meant to be on four wheels. What are you doing? But the driver's like, not, nah, this is how we're doing it. And so you go the whole race with the car driving on its side. And you just have to settle into that experience. And if you settle into that as the experience, then it's a then it's like a wacky adventure. Because this movie is like bonkers. It's insane. It's, it's all over the it's place. It's not. It's dumb. Oh, it's so dumb. But not it's like so a, dumb. not like. But I didn't find it a fun dumb at all. Oh really? I found no. it so fun. It's just. It's ape shit. It's like a movie written by a 12-year-old. It's like 12-year-old Ben Affleck wrote this and he gets to he gets to act in it. I was laughing my ass off the whole time being like this motherfucker is getting away with murder. They gave him 90 million dollars to do this. It's He's just running around playing gangster, playing cool guy gangster. <laughs> Fuck. Oh god. I okay, like I I think I understand your perspective, but it's a very cynical one. It's a very bad perspective. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's cynical. That's the thing. It's narcissistic, absolutely. Sure. But that's the reason that it's that it that it's wholesome is because I don't think Ben Affleck is coming from a cynical place. He's coming from a very genuine wholesome place and he's like a kid who's been given a movie and he's like I'm going to be the star and I'm going to get the girl and everything I say is a cool line and I shoot the bad guy and I win at the end and I'm the best. And it's, it's him not... playing with a train set. Yeah, exactly. It's not, um, 
It's not like, I think like, um, like Steven Seagal, when he does that, like that's cynical because he's, he's malicious and he's an asshole. He thinks he's better than everyone. And he thinks he's actually that guy. This is, this is Ben, this is a midlife crisis. This is the, this is the dad who buys the Corvette, you know? Right. It It's, it, he gets to jump in a movie and play gangster and, and I mean, he just, it's just so strange. Like, do, uh, do you, are you aware of, um, Decker, the, the Tim Heidecker thing? No. What's that? Okay. So in that, um, so Tim Heidecker plays this character called Tim Heidecker. It's just a different version of him. And it's like this, um, little egotistical asshole. And in the, in the show on cinema, his character makes his own show called Decker. And it's basically, it's like he makes his own 24 where he plays secret agent Decker. And he, he always shoots the bad guy. He, he, everything he says is cool. He gets the girl and he even, um, like does Ben Affleck even does the Decker impression in this where he like squints his eyes and, and he talks in this like cool guy voice. He like looks around and he squints his eyes and he goes, yeah, well, they got a war coming to them. And Ben Affleck does this shit, does that shit in this. Like, this is Ben Affleck making Decca. But I loved it for that reason. Yeah, but he didn't. And do you, okay, so I'm guessing you're, with your hypothesis, that would rely on the fact that he's subconsciously doing this, not consciously. I don't think Ben Affleck does anything consciously. He's, he's, he's got like kind of, well, everyone has to do something with this sort of stuff. There has to be a conscious objective. No, I think like he just thought, I think he just thought it would be cool. I mean, he, whatever he said to other people to, to justify making it. So yeah, I guess subconsciously, but it was really just like a fantasy pick for him. It can't be anything other than that. Um, because it's absolutely got that written all over it. Um, can I just pause this for one second while I grab my charger Mm -hmm. and then I'll have my follow up? Cool. Sorry, dude. One sec. Sorry, I just realized my computer was like not plugged into the charger and it was on like 5%. Um, so, uh, do you want to hear what, why I think he made it? Oh, you're not there. Hello, you there? Yeah, I just started talking at you and realized you weren't there. Yeah, sorry. I didn't think I was, I just went to grab my notes. I didn't think I'd be that long. Okay, sorry. Go on. So do you want to hear why I think he made it? Yeah. Um, so I think he was similar in the like midlife crisis sort of thing. I think he had a string of three hits, right? Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. had put himself in a career renaissance. 
And Ben Affleck was once again in vogue, right? And I don't think he had any idea what to do. I don't think he had any fucking clue what to make. Mm-hmm. So someone, and he might've been getting that itch, you know, that like, I need to make a movie itch. Mm-hmm. And I think he picked a project and like, say your opinion of say Tim Burton on uh, Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. I think he, it slowly started to become something that he didn't know what it was to begin with. And it became a Franken film. Right. So I, th- I honestly think he was just scared the whole time making it because he was out of his depth and he started making a movie for the wrong reason. That's what I get. However, that doesn't necessarily contradict your point mm. because, you know, like he could have been like, oh, what's this? Oh, you know, and it appealed to his masculine ego, you know, because he is a, a bit of a, let's say bloke, I think is probably an appropriate word to describe mm. Ben Affleck. But honest to goodness, I think he was just paranoid and like itching to make something and he just picked something and fucked up. Yeah, I think, you know, you could definitely be right there, but uh, I think that, um, I think we're pr- it's, it's possible that we're both right because, I mean, you say he fucked up, but to me, this movie is whether he did it on accident, but it, it feels like he made exactly what he wanted to. Now, in terms really? of what, yeah, in terms of what he told himself, I okay, I think he lied to himself, and he lied to everyone else about the reasons why he was making this movie. Because really, why he was making this movie was because he wanted to live out this fantasy. Because it is too well put together in terms of that fantasy for it to be considered uh, a disaster or a mess. If you think right. of it, if you think about it of him in terms of him trying to make this fantasy become a reality then it works because that's exactly what it is. Um, it's not a mess in terms of him trying to tell that story, the story of a guy who just never stops being cool. The, the action scenes are too well choreographed. It's too well edited. It, it yeah, but flows. he's he's already got the experience at that now from his three previous movies. Like he, right, but what I he, mean he can is that- shoot action. Yeah, but what I mean is that he's not struggling to to fit the pieces together. The pieces fit together perfectly. The film runs smoothly, but it's just an absolute horseshit plot. Yeah, it, the story is 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 dog shit. It's it's pure narcissism. But in terms of like how he's telling the story, I don't think he stumbles once. Interesting. Interesting. I, I think mean, you're right. I think it like it does come down to like all my problems I think can go back to the source material. Mm. Um and of like some accents. I didn't know if Ben Affleck who's from Boston could somehow not do a good Boston accent. That blows my <laughs> fucking mind. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like his Boston accent in it's fucked. The chick who's the... Okay, I need you to explain me something. You know the girl that he's with at the beginning? Yeah. Is that the daughter or the partner of the bad guy? The, because I swear the, to God, it freaks me out. Because I swear the, to God, I heard daughter and then I heard partner and then I heard daughter and it blew my mind. No, it's his, it's his girlfriend, Albert White, the bad, the bad guy. I, I swear to God, I heard daughter at one point and it, and it really flipped me out. But her oh, okay. I didn't Irish accent. Oh, Sienna Miller's Irish sucked. accent is woeful. It was fucked. Also, and the I bad guy, so... and the bad guy, Albert White's accent, yeah, was so crap too. Do you know what I wanted? And mm. and I wish I could have slapped Affleck into paying. Brendan Gleeson plays his dad, right? Yeah. Could you imagine if they got Brendan Gleeson to be the bad guy? Yeah, or just cast. Irish people. Well, Brendan Gleeson is Irish. I know that Brendan Gleeson is Irish, and you can you can tell. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> because he can do he's it right. With a genuine accent. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you don't fucking pick up on that, and how Hollywood keeps making this mistake. It makes me think that it's just like like the power of agents to get people into movies. It's like no, Sienna Miller has to be in this. For well, some reason. I it's don't... like, you're going to have her sitting across from Brendan Gleeson. They have a pretty lengthy dialogue uh, with each other. And Brendan Gleeson is there, obviously speaking in his, you know, natural accent. Uh, and then Sienna Miller is just doing this offensive Irish accent. Like leprechaun shit. And yeah, and it's like... How is no one seeing this? That you can't be like, huh, maybe we should just get an Irish actress to play this character. I don't know. Yeah, or someone, or at least like an English actor or like a Scottish actor, someone who like is familiar with that. Because whoever, what's her name? Sienna Miller? Yeah. She sucks, man. She fucking blows. Yeah, I was so relieved that, because I had no idea what this movie was about. Um, I kind of still don't, but I had no, I had no idea what to expect going into this. And I think that's another reason that I really enjoyed it was because, um, this is his film coming off of an Oscar winning film. And so I thought, um, okay, so he's just going to be going more and more prestige. You know, he just won an Oscar. Oh, okay. Now he's doing a period piece okay, this is going to be boring. And so, and I saw it got really bad reviews, so I didn't see it because I'm like, okay, I know what this is going to be. I was excited for this and then I saw the reviews and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's going to be a a boring, slow movie. Okay, and then then it feels like it's going to be a love story about him and Sienna Miller. But then she betrays him and Ben Affleck gets kicked in the nuts so hard he throws up. And then it takes a completely different direction and she doesn't come back. Um, until the end, thank God. My yeah, God. Right, until uh, right, at the, right at the very end. Spoiler, I guess. But um, yeah, I was so happy that, that it didn't go in that direction. It went in a completely different direction. He gets out of the city and goes down to Florida where it, it becomes like... A different movie. But, okay, I, I will say I preferred the movie once he got to Florida or whatever, like mm-hmm. the, the, the Florida Keys. 
I pre- like the movie picked up for me there. Yeah. And I cannot for the life of me justify the 40 minutes it took to get there. Mm-hmm. It was excruciating exposition dumps yep. that were crap. Like mm-hmm. like Ben Affleck narrating there was a war between the I'm a good I'm a good Boston boy and there's a war between the Irish and the Italians and yeah. and and like showing the war and it's like and then like you introduce like he introduces the characters and this is like such shit storytelling in the narration right he introduces mm-hmm. there was the bad guy who was the Italian and the good guy who was Albert White and mm-hmm. all this crap and then like 10 minutes later you have a scene where Ben Affleck meets the uh, the Ita- the Italian mob boss and you know it could be a cool moment if you find out who the character is there but mm. we already know who he is from that bullshit intro yeah and it just takes any stakes from any of those scenes mm-hmm. it's like it it's like one of the big you, have you are you a David O Russell fan have you seen American Hustle yeah I love American Hustle but I hate the opening where it's Christian Bale narrating, going, we fell in love, and and it and it's him like telling us, and it's just like fucking show us, like show a scene where you're falling in love. It's funny because this actually reminded me of American Hustle, yeah, quite and a bit. I mean, in 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 because I enjoyed this in the same way that I enjoyed American Hustle. Really? In, yeah, because it's um, it's it's corny. It's and it's full of hammy ass dialogue, but uh, you know, it's it's like that so that you know what's going on. But just as hammy as the dialogue can be, other times it's quite neat. Um, you in know, um, in American Hustle, do you mean both? There's 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 dialogue exchanges in this that I thought were I thought were quite punchy and good, um, like when um, Brendan Gleeson's sitting on the bed with a. Ben Affleck and he's all disappointed in him and he says you were the child that was supposed to mend the distance between me and your mother were you aware of that and then he says I was aware of the dis- distance punchy good yeah it's an okay line there's there's and it's there's there's good lines like that sprinkled throughout enough to to that you can recognize the talent and then there's just the equally hammy shit throughout as well that makes you go like, wait, how can you be this good at these times and this shit over here? But it doesn't even matter because you don't give a shit. Mm. And just like American Hustle, I didn't give a fuck what was happening in the plot. I was looking at the costumes and the set design and the locations and the nice cinematography. I, I think the performances movie, in American Hustle, movie, though, were like a million times better than this film. The what? The the performances in American Hustle are like leaps and bounds better than this film. Yeah, yeah the performances in this um, suck. Like that movie was a perf- like American Hustle was an ensemble performance piece. Everyone who appeared in it was strong. You know what I mean? Like there was no. Uh, yeah, I liked Christian Bale and Amy Adams. I didn't like Bradley Cooper or what's her ass, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. I yeah. thought I, I I think they both did pretty all did pretty well in that film to be perfectly honest, but. It's but like but you have to agree neither of them fell to the depths of ninety percent of the people in this fucking piece okay, of shit. Ben, yeah, Ben Affleck is rubbish 
in this, uh, but I that personally that that added charm to it for me because it just made it hilarious knowing that he's the director. He shouldn't have that, been in it. He shouldn't have been in no, it. No, he's definitely miscast, but I mean, I wouldn't change it because I wouldn't want to try to make this movie better because for me, it works in a strange way exactly the way it is because it's it's like perfectly flawed for me. It has such a nice mix of, at, at times, it's, it's complete amateur hour. It's laughably bad, but... Then there's other things like, especially like how well the action's directed, and how good it looks. I'm sorry, but this is this is one of the best looking movies of the 2010s. It's fucking gorgeous. Every fucking set, every location, the costumes, it's and it's so colorful. It, the 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 camera work. Yeah, but. You know, like when the core is just dead and gross. It's not dead or gross. It's 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 lunacy. It's 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 dead lunacy. or gross. It's 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 literally a walking, talking ninety million dollar gangster period movie cliche. Yeah, and exactly. and there are, and there are elements to uh, about almost every fucking scene. I've seen it before. Oh, but you haven't seen it done up like this. Uh, I don't know. Nah, this. I was is even. Fucking... I was even feeling like they were kind of like almost gonna start ripping off. There will be blood. With the right. rivalry between, th- is it Fanning, the girl, whatever, yeah, and and Ben Affleck. I thought, you know, I'm like, oh man, they're even like touching on this shit. Like, yeah. fucking, I don't know. It, it seemed. It seemed like such a shamelessly derivative idea that I don't care how many nice 1920s cars you have in the fucking movie when it sucks, when nothing is believable, nothing... Like, I didn't find it hammy enough. Like, I, I want yeah, more Yeah, that's ham. the one thing I would have preferred if... Um if it was more tongue in cheek but but that's but, but that's missing. impossible for him because he's trying to make an earnest okay yeah. did you know the the novel is written by the same guy that wrote gone baby gone <laughs> and how grounded is that film yeah and then this and yeah, I, this and is like a cartoon this is a cartoon this has more in line with star wars than yep. it does Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, in the same sense, so it feels like a cereal. From, it's so far removed from Gone Baby Gone, um, which is a movie that you can take seriously. It's it's really tense and dramatic, and he was trying to make. This is where we get into territory where he didn't know what he was doing because you can tell that at points. It's supposed to be tense. It's supposed to be dramatic, but it just isn't. It never is either. Like the, the points that are supposed to be dramatic, where you have the dramatic music playing and Ben Affleck looking down and and pinching the bridge of his nose, and it's like, oh no, the what an awful thing that's going on. I was laughing. Yeah, because it's laughable. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because. Those scenes only last 30 seconds. And then we move to 
another location with another set, a brand new set. There's like a new set in every scene and they're, they're, they're designed fantastically. And someone will come in with a fucking Tommy gun and they're using actual squibs and actual blanks. And you get a, you get a great little action scene and then you go, wow, that's fantastic. And then you cut to Ben Affleck who's dressed up in his fucking trilby and coat and shit. And he goes, well, if they want a war, they're going to get a war. And then, then, then his sidekick is like, you're going to go to war with the Ku Klux Klan, but they own this town. And he's like, well, uh, we'll see who owns the town when I'm doing it. And you're like, this is such a shit movie yeah but it's so fun it's i fucking you know how i watch movies where it's like 15 minute chunks because i got fucking add i sat through the whole thing from start to finish really an absolute ball yeah that's that's that like i i i had six cigarette breaks (laughs) for this film (laughs) i had to smoke six cigarettes to get to the fucking ending of the movie yeah, I that the, the, there were a couple of moments where it almost crossed the line for me into like really hilarious, like at the end, and and but 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 like but then it's like undermined by just how little it makes sense. So near the end of the ending of the movie, right? Uh, ben Affleck, who's like an underboss for this Italian gangster, has a meeting, and and the meeting goes. Uh, you're gonna hand over. You're gonna you're gonna become a consigliere. You're gonna hand over the business to this guy, like an actor that was in The Sopranos or whatever, and you're gonna teach him how to be the boss. And you're gonna make a pay cut. And they have this argument about money, right? This pointless fucking argument about how much he's gonna get paid. And you think it's like important. It's gonna build tension. And then we just like steamroll into the the fucking final act of the movie, right? Were you confused yeah. by that at all? So, I was confused about like the whole time. Yeah, so you know they're talking about, and he's like, "Okay, we'll go now." And then, the, and then it's like, "Okay, we're gonna get into a scene. Ben Affleck's gonna have to concoct a plan, whatever." And then it's like, "Oh yes, but not really. Nothing we just talked about was had any oh, yeah. purpose is this because the bit where is this the bit where um, Albert has... White is revealed? Yeah, to be yeah. So in... yeah, he has the meeting with the Italian boss, and then they they. Co- and then it's like back and forth, and then they eventually come to a deal. They yeah. stand up, and then he turns around. And he's like, "Well, guess what? Actually, you're gonna die." Yeah, but <laughs> like, what was what, the what, point? What was the point of that meeting you just had? It meant no sense. It like if if the meeting was, we're not happy with you, and we need to do something. And then it's like, what can we do? And then it's like, there's nothing we can do because Albert White's here. Dun dun dun! But yeah, it's like, and then and then he opens the door, and then the door like swings open, and on Albert its own, White's, Albert White, yeah, on its own, Albert White's just standing there, looking all grim reaperish, holding a Tommy gun, and he's like, yeah, he comes in, he's like, ah, looks like you lose, kid, and then he's like, well, guess what? My men are coming from underground, and then all Ben Affleck's men. Come in and storm the building in a big... And then it's just a big fucking shooting scene. Yeah, but with, I thought that was a terrible action. action scene. Because... No! But, what do no, you No, dude, terrible? it sucked. Because, because I didn't know who was shooting who. It was so messy. All the... Ca- all the, They all looked exactly the same. 
for me, the point of an action scene is you need you need spatial awareness for it to work. I need to know who's shooting who, who, where they are, what's happening. But yeah, when you just have a like, bunch of fucking like, wait, 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 let me finish. When yeah. you just have a bunch of thug one, thug two, thug three, thug four, thug five, thug six, thug seven pointing guns and just going and you don't know oh oh uh is ben affleck winning oh is ben affleck losing when you have absolutely no understanding of space in an action scene i get bored because why do i care who's getting shot who knows fuck it right yeah i mean that scene was bad you can't say to me that's a good action scene it's no it works because for a movie like Die Hard, yeah, you need that. But for this movie, what you need is you have th- you have 30 people on screen at once, all dressed like 1920s gangsters, just destroying a set with sparks and shit flying everywhere and you're just like because it's fucking chaos. It's chaos for them as well. And then you and then you cut to the upstairs where Ben Affleck is getting around in his white suit and he's shooting guys and he's ducking into another room and tricking them and coming up behind them and shooting them. And it's like, hey, it's just like a pretty set is being destroyed. They, you know, you got squibs going off, you got blanks going off and there's fucking guys in cool costumes just shooting stuff. It's dumb. Nah, that, that shit makes me check out. Especially when I know how well he can build tension. Like, he's actually really good at building tension. And yeah. you see that from his previous last, his previous three films. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, uh, my partner was watching Argo with me. And I didn't tell her what happens and everything. And for that final scene of Argo where they're trying to get on the plane, she was actually, like, on the edge of her seat. Right. You know, like, oh, God, what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, and, obviously they're going to get away. Well, How do you yeah, not just know that from the movie? Well, no, but like, uh, I think it's like a testament to tension building that he that he was quite good at with it, you know? I think he was quite good at doing that with that film. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, when you just, like, if the movie didn't cost, if Live By Night didn't cost 90 million fucking dollars. Hey, $90 million is an absolute fucking bargain. Because, oh, man. You... No, dude, I'm telling you, because I fucking... Like, the first half hour of this movie, I was like, what the fuck? How much did this movie cost? Because you got some some big sets, all like, all these extras, characters, these costumes, the fucking cars, and you got some great effects. Like, at the beginning, they throw this guy off of the building. And I don't like, you know, uh, usually the effect where they, they follow a guy to the ground and then you see him, you know, there's a clear... CGI gap there that you can you can tell in movies when before you see him hit the ground, but it looked great. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really impressive. How much should this movie cost? And I see it cost ninety million dollars, but I was like, that still seems fairly cheap for what I've seen so far. It must die down, but it only amps up. And you only have more sets, more characters, more costumes, more cars, more explosions, guns. This film should not have cost any more than $30 million. Nah, fuck off. Fuck off. Fucking stupid Scorsese's dog shit movie cost $300 million. Yeah. And it looks way worse than this. Yeah, well, you know, that, that that's because they pumped all their fucking bullshit money into that 
really shit de-aging process that's worse than fucking deep fake. No, why did... No, this movie costs $90 million. Fucking Captain Marvel, which is just set in the 90s, costs like $200 million. Yeah, but that's like a fucking CGI nightmare. So it's the CGI then. So then, like... Maybe it's a generational thing because you're like, like five years younger than me or something. So I'm like still like, nah, man, look, we got blanks. We got squibs. We got real sets. We got, there's like barely any CGI in the movie. It's I all I can practical. guarantee you that there are a lot of period movies and, I, and we'll do this after the podcast. Period movies that when adjusted for inflation yeah. would cost a third of this and look really good. no. Look, anyway, I don't care. I don't care that they, that they adjusted for a third of this and they'd look really good. Whatever. $90 million is nothing these days. It, absolutely nothing. For a piece of shit script that sucks, that is doomed to fail, where you've got, a, where you've got fucking action man Affleck. I love you, Affleck. I'm, I'm on your side. I want you to win. I love you. But when you have this dude... If if your theory is correct, running around playing Superman, yeah, he's just for ninety like million dollars. Yeah, that's bad. And 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 I don't know how the fuck, and I don't know what happened to him and why it costs ninety million dollars. I I don't. But you can see why it costs ninety million dollars. No, 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 but All like, the shit that but why he let it cost ninety million dollars? Because he didn't give a fuck. It was he just had this fantasy in his head and he's like uh it's gonna cost this much and they're like well ben uh you've earned 90 million dollars for your next film you won an oscar and your last thing made 400 million dollars see so. but that's like the, te- the the worst mentality that's what ruins your fucking career the coen brothers made um uh what was it uh Fuck, uh, No Country for Old Men. That was their big Oscar film. And then mm. they followed it by this really little film, which is Burn After Reading. You he don't, definitely you should don't, have made a little movie. You don't keep escalating. You don't... That's that's where you end up back at 2003 Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to keep happening. If he keeps doing... I don't think he'll direct again. I think he's done. Yeah. I think this ruined it for him. I think I mean, he killed this, the golden goose. Yeah, who's going to fucking give him money now this movie lost 75 million dollars yeah <laughs> it's such fucked a bomb. he he he's done it to himself again he now has to go back into movie star mode yeah and and the cycle continues it's groundhog day he he rises mm. he falls he rises he falls but but now he doesn't have the filmmaking to go back on because like i, I guess he's like fucking you know what? I would not be surprised if they took Batman away from him because of this film. Mm, I don't know. Maybe they could. They could have very easily took it off him. You know, he lost a lot of money. Mm. You know, um, I, I, I don't think I, I, I'm pretty sure this was a studio film. I don't think this was his idea. He wrote it. Yeah, but like, I don't think. Like, I think they hired him as a writer-director. They're like, here's this book we bought. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. I think like, I think it's like, uh, I think it's like, you've adapted this guy's book before. You just won an Oscar. We own the rights to this. We'll give you $90 million. But it is such a, but it would make sense that he wanted to do it because, first of all, it's, it's said Did in, you do it, some research and... 
No, no, no. Just like just kind of knowing what he's like a bit in that it's um it's about you know Boston. So you know and like this is like, barely about Boston though. Uh, it's enough about Boston. I mean, like, guys like him and Mark Wahlberg, anything Boston, they just fucking, you know, jump straight into it. But, I mean, so it's got enough to do with Boston. He, he the guy is from Boston. He's, you know, Irish, um, Boston guy. And he gets to, you know, star in the thing. He gets to look good. I mean, that's, but that's the, that's the same. It's, it's, it's very similar to the town in a way in that it's like, uh, you know, he's a bad guy with a heart of gold, but where as the town understands nuance just enough that it's not quite laughable that, you know, he's Ben Affleck is narcissistically directing himself as the, the good guy in this one. It's, it's just so, on the surface it's shallow and it's like but you know you might say it's a boston story i disagree but like it's it's literally that city at the beginning could be literally anywhere yeah but at the beginning it's i mean actually the book it wouldn't surprise me if the book isn't even about boston at the start could be new york could be new york anything and he just Um, changed it to boston yeah but this isn't something he's familiar with like he wasn't around in the 30s you know he it's not a character that like you know like i i rewatched the town as like extra homework for this and i Mm -hmm. liked it significantly less than i saw it the first time Mm -hmm. but but you can tell that he knows kind of what he's talking about like he has yeah context for it and it's like I can understand why he thinks he can tell this story and why he succeeds at telling this story about these characters because he yep. in some way knows them. Yeah. But with this, he has absolutely no fucking context for any no, of it. It wouldn't even surprise me if he didn't do any research on the era. Yeah, but but that's but that's why I think he's like a very um that comes down to his if he keeps within the lines of what he knows, he yeah. can thrive. He like, even if he did research, it's not something he is terribly familiar with. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, he should really stick to telling stories that he knows personally because I don't think he's a particularly empathetic guy in that he can could even do a huge amount of research and then write uh, a, someone else's story that he's, he's not immediately familiar with on a personal level because he just doesn't have that ability right um but i would love to see him direct an action movie especially after watching live by night which to me is like a dumb action movie um even though that's clearly not what it's supposed to be i just want him to go back to the gone baby gone kind of film to be yeah. honest, you I just want to make him sick? a you little know film. Sick is if he made, if he made like a, um, like a, a, a film noir. Like I know that's what uh, God Baby Gone is, but like he should just like go all out and um, make like a a detective 
story set in in this era he can then dress up as detective and 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 do like a fucking you know shoot some an action detective movie set in this era but do it like a film noir well what what watch the shit out of that he should you know what he should do and like it's like kevin smith makes a movie and funnily enough i'm I'm mentioning kevin smith because of ben affleck but Kevin Smith makes a movie, it's successful, he makes a piece of dog shit crap, then he goes back to the well. Yeah. You know, he keeps going back to the well because it works. Yeah. Um, the novel that he adapted for Gone Baby Gone is one in a series of novels. Right. Why doesn't he just... Like, the only way I can see him working again is if someone convinces him to get his brother involved and they mm. make a follow-up. To go on, baby, gone, and it can be almost like a hard reset. Yeah, you know, and 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 we get our little noir film, you know, and it doesn't, yeah. and 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 you know, he can be trusted enough to do that and tell that story, you know. That would be creatively more interesting, um, but also it's a smart business move as well. And I would, um, I'd like to see that. I just want to see him win. That yeah. man's a gambler. He is literally a gambler. And and I want to see him, yeah, when, like sweep the tables, you know? Um, yeah. I don't want to see him go back to doing like shit like Argo. I mean, I, I cool. it's cool that he did that. But I'm, I'll, I'll probably watch Live by Night again at some point. But not Argo. No, I'll um, what again. just before we move on to the reviews, uh, what were you, what did you think were the weakest? Because we, we we literally just talked about Live by Night for like forty five fucking minutes. Hmm. Um, what did you think were the weakest parts of Argo? Um, man, I don't know. You know, it's kind of hard for me to say because the. For me, the thing about Argo is that I just, I didn't care. And, you know, maybe I'm uh, an asshole. But if if they had have all gotten captured and killed and they never made it back, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cared. I didn't care if he got those people out. I didn't, I just didn't give a shit at all. Right. And like, um, so that for me was the weakest thing. But then <laughs> the, the, also, they failed to make you give a shit. Yeah, I was like, I don't care about these people. But then at the uh, towards the end, it just got like too, you know, like trying too hard to get me on the edge of my seat. Where it's like, um, they're going through the they're going through the airport, and then it keeps cutting back to these kids putting the photos together, and it's like, oh, oh, it's oh, they're gonna make it. Are they gonna make it? And I was like, okay, this is a bit much. But then at the end, like, they're literally chasing the plane down the runway. Yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, right, that's a bit much. Yeah, don't let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. Uh, um, yeah, I guess. My uh, my big issue with it was they f- it fell into... Again, it's a very predictable movie with, like, the three-act structure and you know, those sort of beats. Like, it's a very uh, run-of-the-mill, you know, but well done. I hated the sequence, which I can tell you right now never happened, where he gets mm. the call and they're like, it's off. You yeah. know, we, it's off, you know. The, the You know, the hero's low point 
And then yeah. we get a sequence of like Ben Affleck, who's like, I'm an alcoholic. So mm. what I'll do is I'll have the character moping around in a hotel room, drinking scotch by himself mm-hmm. when we know that he's going to do it. Yeah. And it's this, yeah. this low point, sad thing, bullshit moment. Um, you know, um, but it just, it was just cliched bullshit. And I'm just like, get to the fucking point, mm. get to let the movie just start again. That, that sequence, I was just like, fuck off. Yeah. This is so run of the mill crap. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty run of the mill, but I mean, that's, see, he knows how to make movies. Uh, he's so good at structuring, um, like traditional three act structure movies. Yeah. Um, so which, you know, it's like someone who's really good at writing pop songs so, like, in terms of the Argo being a fucking prestige picture or whatever, it's like, no, it's, like, a pretty fun movie. And, in fact, I think it would have been better if they had more sense of fun about it. Like, it already has that, but I just felt like it, it, it took a dip into the boring and, and overly tense once, um, once he got to Iran. And I think it it would have benefited greatly if it's if it remained a, a a kind of a fun time. It takes itself too seriously at points. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. Um, is there anything you want to say about those two films before we jump into the reviews? Uh, just one thing. <laughs> there's there's this guy who um who plays the the Ku Klux Klan Wade from GTA 5 oh is that the guy who does Wade yeah can't you tell by his funny voice oh okay yeah okay cool yeah I heard the voice and I was like Wade like I just as soon as I heard it I liked him in the film but sorry continue this guy plays the the reprehensible Ku Klux Klan representative and he just plays a disgusting piece of shit and um he's a you know, kind of a funny looking guy, but he's and also sounding the, too. His voice is ridiculous. Yeah, but he's also the guy who plays the pedophile in Gone Baby Gone. Oh yeah, and I think everything I've seen that guy in, he plays the only the most despicable characters. And I was just imagining like being this guy's agent, like. Every time you have to call him up and it's like, hey, I got a new role for you. And it's like, so what am I going to play? Like a pedophile, a, a, a racist, a, a, like a horse fucker. Or... <laughs> He's another guy who I think I just would really like to see him win and maybe get a role for once where he doesn't play a disgusting piece of shit. Did you think he did well in this film? Yeah, well, I guess that's why he keeps getting... He does... He plays these parts really well. Yeah. Uh, he was, that was actually probably my favorite part of the movie is like when, when he shows up, cause that's when, that's when I was fully on board because by half, halfway through the film, he's established, um, his business down in Florida. Um, and then he, you know, uh, some gunshots go off or something. They go outside and the Ku Klux Klan is standing there with a flaming cross. And I was just like, 
okay, didn't see that coming. And then there's a, like a, a good 25, 30 minutes of the film where he's just having a fight with the Ku Klux Klan. And this guy's the representative of, of, of them. Mm. And, and he's, he's so perfectly over the top for how I felt the, this, this, the rest of this movie should have gone like this. Clearly a lot of actors who don't understand what this is, Affleck being one of them, but Which I think, is so depressing, but I think this guy got it because yeah. his performance is really fun and over the top. And he's, he's like a character, a caricature of a, of a villain. And there's this part where they're standing at the front of a fucking, of this, uh, run down casino and he's wearing this bright green suit and and Affleck standing in front of this old car with the, the headlights on it's got this really noir look and it's just it's just such a strange scene and this guy's just throwing n-words left right and center and threatening him he's like I'm gonna take your whole business away and then Affleck just pulls a gun and shoots him. And then all these guys just run out of nowhere. And it's just another Tommy gun fight. Yeah, but you knew that was coming though, right? Nope. Really? Not really. Uh, I, uh, I just, again, all those scenes, like the payoffs were just cliched bullshit that I've seen before. Like you Fair knew enough. that he, at least he had someone perched up in a tree at least, you know, like Ben Affleck's too cool and smart to yeah. get fucked over by some idiot dude you know yeah see i think what was really helpful was that i uh i was having a hard time keeping up with the plot so I yeah was because just, it, it the film's yeah. having a hard time with the plot. i was just i was tuned out for most of it you know this it's a this a, this was a popcorn movie for me right One of those uh as as the kids say turn your brain off movies and just watch the spectacle right um okay so, do you want to hear... I, I, you you just made me want to bring up one more point before we do uh -huh. the reviews. Um, ben Affleck cannot write nor direct female characters. No. No, he's a, he's a bro. He's, a he's bro such a bro. And, 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 I, and I got this from watching... I watched The Town again. Uh, yeah. the, the women in Argo and and Zoe Salander. I can't remember. Salandra, the, the love interest in this film, in uh, yeah. Live By Night. Pointless character literally yeah. no point to her at all except for to get shot by chris cooper at the end of the film that is yeah. the only point she serves she starts off um teasing a character as yeah. if she's going to be interesting and then just fades away into the background yeah. but then yeah just as soon as she becomes romantically involved she she's moved to the background and you don't right. really see her much um yeah Hyper, exactly. Like, he doesn't know how to do anything else other than, you know, write men who he can relate to. Yeah. You ask him to write a female character, he's like, I'm not a woman. Yeah, that's not on. Um, that's I kind mean, of... I mean, like, who... I mean, like, I don't really give a shit. I think it's a prob... I don't think there's anything wrong with, a, you know, a guy writing masculine films... I think it's a I think it's a problem when you have someone like you know Michael Bay uh, who his female characters are objectified and 
you know, ridiculed. No, no, no. It's, but like, because it's the... not, it's not, the, you know, his female characters aren't sexist. They just, um, he just, he just can't write them. So they're just not, they're just not exactly present. It's an inoffensive thing. I get, I guess so. But like, the thing is, it comes down to a self-awareness, right? If he knows that he can't write a female character, ask someone's help or don't just try and let it slide. I can't, that's where I'm kind of like that. I think that's as much of a, a failure, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this character. I, you know, they should be better. What can I do? Not just, it'll be fine. It's not about that. It'll be fine. Why have the character in the first place? Yeah, again, because it's just like, I think he just thinks that there needs to be a love interest. <laughs> because that's what, you know, movies, they have love interests. He's like a, he's a weirdly old Hollywood guy. He is, isn't he? Yeah, which is strange because... He's almost like Michael Hollywood from GTA 5. Like exactly. And like I said before, this is a movie for Michael from GTA 5. He would love the shit out of this film. Yeah. And can you see Ben Affleck's face in black and white in the 50s? Like, I can. Like, he has that look, that star look that could be timeless. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Let's uh, let's have a look at these reviews. Okay. So, I'm going to start with Argo. And I'll start with a positive review. So, this is a 10 out of 10 from Dugofro. Whatever. Uh... Do go to Argo, 2012. Wow, what a movie. Talk about sitting on the edge of your seat, biting your nails, and wiggling your feet despite the fact that you know the outcome and how this event will all end. <laughs> wiggling your feet? I didn't... Okay, so she's sitting on the edge of her seat, wiggling her feet and biting her nails. Interesting image. This movie is true movie-making magic from the very start. The acting is exceptional, and the production and direction is truly outstanding. By now, you know the premise of this story, but until you see how it all unfolded, you really don't know anything. And yeah, see, that's that's the thing is how average people view films like this as um, like a history book. Yeah. It's like, wow, you don't really know the story until you see how it all unfolded. It's like, no, this isn't how it unfolded. Um, until this movie, I had never been in a theater where the audience actually claps at the conclusion. <laughs> uh, have you ever been in a movie where people clap at the end? Yep. Yeah, I have a couple of times as well. It's so strange. I've clapped at a couple of movies. I clapped at the end of uh, This Will Be Night. Wait, no, what's it called? <laughs> This will be night. Die by uh, night. Die by night. <laughs> this will be night. Um, <laughs> this one brings out several emotions as you view and an overwhelming sense of patriotism as just one that you will experience. Okay. Uh, ben Affleck shows he is a class director, Oscar-worthy for sure. The entire cast is so believable and engaging, especially Brian Cranston, who again shows great and exceptional skill in role development. Brian Cranston just played Brian Cranston. Yeah, he just yells. But that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. He's nice. You know, he's he's got he's got presence. Um, 
I loved this movie. You will too. One of the very best for 2012 and even maybe for years to come. Watch and enjoy. Well, this is a very endearing review. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was sweet. It warmed my heart. I'm not going to make fun of them for their poor grammar. Nah, let's 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 not make fun of people for grammar unless it's abhorrent. That was pretty shit. Okay. Mm. Well, um, you you read it with such finesse that I didn't notice. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, this is a one star review by K Dylan five six nine six seven nine four three five. The entire film plot is about six Americans in Tehran during the Iranian Revolution, thirty uh, first December two thousand twelve. Uh, it could not be more Islamophobic if it tried. Oh, I beg to differ. <laughs> you haven't. Is this guy not seen any other um, movies produced Hollywood by Hollywood action movies about, yeah. about the Middle East? Uh, I am not saying the Iran because I, you know, I said to you that I was surprised it wasn't more racist. Yeah. Uh, this is twenty twelve as well. <sighs> Fuck! I'm surprised they that. They, that they didn't give him an Oscar because they're like, you're not being racist enough, Ben. I'm not saying the Iranian revolution was something pretty. It really wasn't. Here's a list of the disturbing in the portrayal of the disturbing in the portrayal of Iran in Affleck's Argo. When the Iranian people spoke Farsi in the film, there were no English subtitles. If an American spoke Farsi, there magically appeared subtitles. Every single Iranian in the film was angry. This was the only emotion they could express. According to Argo, all Iranians are hostile. Showed no culture, not a single educated Iranian of their own right. There was one good Iranian who was a housekeeper to the Canadian ambassador. No character development at all. She serves her purpose and leaves. Apparently fled to Iraq because that's going to end well for her children. The streets of Iran were made to look like the streets of hell. The streets are shown with either one of these characteristics. One, angry Iranian mob protesters who are in favor of the Khomeini characteristics. Angry Iranian mob protesters who are in favor of the Khomeini... Dane, can I just stop you for a second? I've never heard you sound so bored reading a review. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Um, Like, no, I get it. I mean, it's just like... Um, yeah. We should... Hollywood we, is racist! Yeah. <laughs> we know this. Well, I don't understand why you're pointing out that Hollywood is racist. Because he doesn't... They don't already know that, I guess. Yeah. I'm No, I'm guessing he's uh is from a Middle Eastern background and it's, like, yeah. directly offensive to him. Yeah. That might be why he's finding the need to tell his side of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I can't be, like, upset about, to be honest. No, de- no, definitely. He's not wrong. I just, you know, don't waste your time, bro. Come on. Like... Go I eat a sandwich s- or something. I do. I no, yeah, go... Uh, I mean, I, wh- you know, what else is there to do? in this day and age, except post online what you're angry about. <laughs> Go and make a podcast to, to quote To quote Ben Affleck in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, the internet is for sharing porn and uh, bitching about movies. Yeah. That's what the internet's for. 
Yeah, fair enough. Objectified Iranian dead bodies. Do yourself a favor and rent Persepolis. Written and directed by Iranian refugee and graphic artist Marjan Satrapi. Okay, cool. Thank you. I actually might check that out. I might watch some Iranian cinema. Rock and roll. I've heard that it's actually pretty good. I don't think I've seen a single Iranian film. Uh, neither have I, but I've heard the same thing, that there's a bit of a, a, a cool little scene over there. Mm. Uh, okay, so... Um, yeah. Uh, sorry you're so angry, dude. Um, Hollywood's racist. We all know it sucks. Okay, uh, this is a 10-star review for... Um, the Live Master- by night. <laughs> by, yeah, for, by Prathams23396. Another masterpiece from Affleck, uh, 2016. The best movie of the year. I got to tell you that this movie shows what Affleck is really capable of. Oh my God. It may not be better than The Town or Argo, but still it is a great movie. What did he rate those? Yeah. (laughs) The first 30 minutes excites you very much, but later the movie loses its pace, but just for five to 10 minutes. Some people are saying that this is the worst movie of Affleck, but worst is not the right word used here. Well, we can call it the least best. Oh my God. (laughs) If you are an Affleck fan, then you should go and see this movie. And even if you are not, still go and watch it. Affleck really shows us that he's the best both behind the camera and in front of it. This movie deserves an Oscar for me. What? An Oscar for me? (laughs) For a best You movie. know what he means. <laughs> oh, that was so sweet. What a beautiful little man. <laughs> review. What a, what a cute review. <laughs> they sound seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, one star by Joda Mezk55393. Um, everything is corrupt here. Uh, January 2017. This movie was produced, written, played, and directed by the same man, an actor who believes he should become a genius of cinema if he wants to respect himself. What? It is a... What? It is a bundle of stereotypes, anachronisms, bad acting, and excess of dialogue and ideas. I wanted to walk out one hour into the film, but I was with someone. If the above said were not enough, the crap... This. The crap lasts 130 minutes of unbearable boredom. By the way, I loved the Cuban music played in that Florida party. The movie makers imply this is about 1930, but the orchestra sounds like glorious Stefan's songs. Those guys were 70 years ahead of their time. Wonderful. And this gross inaccuracy is a strong characteristic of the film as every possible approach to all possible events of the late 20s, early 30s, they only forgot to cleverly link the plot to Lindenberg's this movie is a dream okay it's 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 a dream sequence or it's a fake movie that takes place in a real movie i'm done dane i'm fucking done stop defending live by night (laughs) why is it oh it's historically inaccurate it's fucking it's it's it it's reality inaccurate what are you talking about it's a it's a nonsense garbage piece of shit movie it's like watching it's honestly it's like watching roadrunner and being like oh that would never happen it's a fucking cartoon movie 
Yeah, but this is followed by uh, a director that made like a true story. Which is and... what makes it so fucking funny that this was the movie he made after Argo. Right. I also want to underline the utterly stupid and worthless morals of the story, as it is plain from start that the badass played by Affleck is not better than the guys he fights and kills, and some of his actions are particularly disgusting and vicious. You want a proof? <laughs> you want a proof? You want one proof. <laughs> There's no way you can feel you care a speck of dust about any character in the film, save for maybe some of the victims of the tough guy. A recital of viciousness which tries to lecture us on morals. Unpalatable, I agree with almost all user reviews between 4 and 1. What you read in those reviews is the best that can be said about this film. Fantastic. This was the highest rated review. Someone who says, I was bored, but I liked this, but I was bored, not historically accurate. Read other reviews if you want to know what I really think. Yeah. Stupid. This is the highest rated... uh... Bad review. So, uh, closing thoughts and fart ratings for Die of Boredom. I mean, Live by Night <laughs> or Argo. Fuck yourself. Um. Okay, so Argo. Argo's fine. Um, it's you know, it's it's pretty good, and um, it's a good movie to. It's a good movie to actually watch with, like, your your mum. If, you know, if for some reason you have to watch a movie with your mum and and you don't you don't want to risk anyone being offended or bored, you know, you'll you'll both enjoy it. So yeah. I don't know, I wasn't it's not really for me. Uh I give it a six out of ten. Six? Yeah, Far and, out. Uh, Live by Night is, um, <laughs> it's, it's fucking not for everyone. In fact, it's not for most people. I, I think underst- it's just for you. Yeah, I understand all the, um, the negative reviews and, and even agree with them. But the thing is, um, it's 90 minutes of really, really nice set design um, cool locations, great costumes. It doesn't like it. And it, it's just nonsense. It's like a really, really expensive B movie. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because it's so absurd. It's really absurd. And I think that the, 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 the genuine quality that is present mixed in with the, the absurdity and the amateurishness brings like makes something that I think is fairly unique, um, but quite bad. Not in, and so it's not good in a traditional sense. But I think it's worth watching, and especially uh, you know, it's worth watching. You know, kind of ironically, but you can watch all the. I, I genuinely really like all the, the cinematography and, you know, the visuals are great. Um, and, and it's funny bad at a, a lot of points. Uh, but people who will genuinely like it are like middle-aged dads who work a shitty nine to five job. And the same have, people like, that like the untouchables. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, if you love The Untouchables, you'll probably dig this, to be honest. You won't like it as much, but, you know, you'll probably, you'll probably get a kick out of it. Um, I liked it because, for a number of reasons, I already went over it, but I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. What <laughs> in the absolute f- fucking universe are you living time. in? I had a great you, time. You fried your fucking brain. What the fuck have you been doing? <laughs> Seven out of ten? Yeah. For live by night? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. You're not joking, are you? No. This is some fucking Southland Tales shit here. Not going to lie. Uh, yeah, it is, a, it is a bit that. Oh it's man! Like, I, I, I get, How do I, I get follow that, that? I get that it's a, a a mistake. It's it's trash. But you know when he stumbled around and came out with this, it's something that I I enjoyed sitting through because it's just it's a, it's a strange it's a strange product. You're a fucking alien. I'm, I'm sorry you are um so argo yeah good little pleasant prestige picture well made well put together acting's pretty good casting's pretty good pacing's really good i think except for that one bit where it's like the you can't do your job now sit in hotel drink alcohol outside of that sequence i thought it was really well paced really well put together a fun film so yeah seven out of ten farts for me for argo um yeah, like it's not not perfect, not not like an like it's it's probably that's probably the best review I could give a movie like Argo, the one of these like Oscar bait films. Live by Night literally makes me cripplingly depressed because it is one of the reasons you end up looking like the Ben Affleck smoking a cigarette. Yeah, because I want Affleck to succeed. I'm putting I'm all chips. I'm all in, baby, on Affleck. So when he makes something so incomprehensibly garbage, like the storytelling is so incredibly bad. Like he just, I don't think he had any idea why why he was making the movie. And I know that counterpoints your point, but that you know we can have a difference in opinion. But I think he, I think he panicked. I think the movie was rushed, and. It resulted in the things that are like second nature to him being pretty good, like its look and everything like that. But his performance fucking sucks. If he really cared about it, he would have tried harder. Not gonna lie. And the story, it was, it's nonsense. It's total fucking nonsense. It's total nonsense. I mean, like, what sums up the film perfectly is the ending, where the when the preacher guy shows up and just starts oh my shooting God. his house. Repent! <laughs> <laughs> Dual pistols. <laughs> it's total fucking nonsense. And I, it, it, it's scattershot. And I think, I think he was trying too hard to be faithful to a bad book, which is fucked up. You know, like, you have people being like, Oh, you know, they weren't faithful to the book, so the movie sucks. I have a feeling he was so faithful, it resulted in a piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't, like, I sound really harsh, but 
all the things that were okay with it, like the performance of the KKK guy, the design, most of the set pieces are, uh, yeah, three out of 10 farts for me. This isn't a one. It's a three. So, um, what are we, what are we watching next week? Uh, we are watching the best and the worst of 2010s era Ron Perlman. Huh? Okay. You know who Ron Ron Perlman is? I do. I do know who Ron Perlman is. So what are the, okay. So I'm doing the math with this and that motherfucker is in a lot of films. Yeah, but it's, he's got to be one of the, like, leads. Okay, so top billing, like top two billing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can discuss the finer details later, but one of the main cast members. Okay, what I mean by top two billing is, you know how, like, usually there's, like, two names at the top? Hmm. He's got to be one of those, essentially. Yeah, I know, but, I mean, I think that would probably reduce us to, like, none. Is that kind yeah. of the top two in any of them? I know. He's very much a supporting character. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, join us next week when we watch the 2010s output of Ron Perlman. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.